morning. Again, it's great to see all of you and uh, just glad you're here. And to those who are joining us online on Facebook, thank you so much for being part of our church family today. Uh, We're glad you're here as well as we are uh, launching into part two of our series, Experiencing the Spirit. And uh, if you've been here at all through the fall, if you're a first-time guest, you you don't know this, I just want you to be aware. uh, We're in a year-long focus of experiencing God unreserved. And uh, what we've been trying to do is, is look at what are some key next steps we need to take in order to experience God unreserved in our lives. And so we've been building series around these next steps. And one of the most important ones is, is this series, Experiencing the Spirit. And last week, we actually uh, had the introduction to the series. Pastor Alex did an incredible job of introducing us to this series. And, and uh, we did so uh, at the beginning, learning why, why are we even talking about this? And, and the reason is because Pastor Chris had this debate in him, inside of himself about uh, the Holy Spirit and what it means to be filled and baptized and experience the Spirit and all of those things. And we watched a video from a couple of years ago where he explained that. And if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go online to newlifexn.org and watch it uh, so that you can, you can be brought up to date and know what's going on and why we're doing this series. And, and, and so what ended up happening was Pastor Chris was convicted by the Spirit of God that, that he wasn't giving the full counsel of God as it related to the, to the Holy Spirit. And so in 2007, they launched a series called uh, Living in the Spirit. And then again in 2010 and 14 and 17, we redid the series because we believed that it's just so important. And then here we are in 2020, again, just believing and feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit that we need to be teaching and preaching on this as it, as it relates to the scripture. And all we ever do is we look at the scripture and we go, um, God, show us what we need to be teaching and what we need to be showing um, so that we can live into uh, everything you have for us. And this is where God has led us as we look uh, through this through this series. And so uh, it's been a great privilege to be able to be a part of it in the past and to be a part of it as well today. Now, it's absolutely crucial that we live in the Spirit, and here's why. The Apostle Paul actually told the Roman church uh, in a letter that he wrote to them instructing them, he said, listen, it's, it's absolutely crucial that you live in the Spirit, and here's what he said, and I want you to see this. Look at the screen with me. Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit... Think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Now, how many of you want life and peace? Yeah, like all of us, hello, we were created for it, right? In fact, we do everything that we can. We, we'll take medicines, we'll uh, work out, we'll, we'll go to whatever we want to go to in order to try to experience life and peace. We kind of chase that down. And yet most of the time we find ourselves actually getting hurt more or being damaged more. And, and, it, and it's because of this, that the Apostle Paul's making clear in, the, in, in a different translation, he said, set your minds, set your minds on the things of the Spirit, the things that please the Spirit. And if we'll do that, we will experience life and peace. But if we set our minds on the things of the flesh, we will die. Now, here's the thing. We're all spiritual people. We're all spiritual people. But there's, there's something that the Scripture makes really, really clear. And that is we're either spiritually dead or spiritually alive. And Paul says if we're going to be spiritually alive, we have to put our faith in Jesus and live in the Spirit. We have to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. It's absolutely crucial For believers, if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, it's absolutely crucial that we live in the power and the presence of the the Spirit of God. 
And it's really hard. It's hard to do because uh, sometimes we don't know what to do and, and sometimes we don't understand everything. And that's kind of why we're doing this series. We want to help us all understand and be able to take a next step as it relates to this. And, and uh, oftentimes what happens in the world is the world will look at the church. They'll look at you and they'll look at me if you're a follower of Jesus and they will make a judgment based on our actions and on what they see happening in our lives. And a lot of times it's not fair because we're not Jesus, right? I mean, we're not perfect. None of us is perfect, right? Some of you on the way here demonstrated that in your conversations, you know, had to get up an hour early, hate this, stupid, you know, um, and uh, I understand that. I had that in my conversation this morning. But, but, um, but, you know, the thing is, that's setting the mind on the flesh. But Paul says, no, no, set your mind on the things of the spirit. Why? So that we can demonstrate to the world God's power. But what often happens is when the world looks at us, they don't see God's power. They don't see God's presence. They don't see love. Uh, they see just an impotent group of people. They can't do anything in the world. And that's not at all what Jesus has called us to do. In fact, I want, I want us to focus on this. When we claim to be Jesus followers and don't live as he lived and as he calls us to live, people draw the wrong conclusions. Oftentimes they blame Jesus. They say Jesus is to blame. Either he isn't God or he has no power. And so the challenge is for us to step into the fullness of God and to be a demonstration to the world of God, to be his hands and feet in the world so that we can experience him fully and demonstrate and show him to the world. Now, that's what it means to live in the spirit. And, and Pastor Chris uses an illustration, and, and I think this is a great illustration. So I want you to uh, picture in your head, you're going out of church today and, and you're going to where you parked your car, but instead of your car, there's a brand new car. And it's the exact car you want, okay? Exact car you... Now, I want to just tell you a little something about myself. Um, I want a truck really bad, okay? And uh, thanks, George. High five later, okay? You want one too. I understand, brother. Um, feel your pain. Um, so so trucks, are, trucks are good, right? And, and I, I really want a truck. And I, here's the thing. I started out with a truck. 2001, I got my driver's license. My dad bought me a, a, a 1990 Ford Ranger, Two-wheel drive, I jacked that thing up in the back, it looked sick. Um, literally, it looked sick because I also had rust on it and I painted it, it was a white truck, I don't know why I did this. It was a white truck, I painted it with black primer in the spots that needed painted, so it looked like a cow. Um, so in the community where I grew up, it became known as the cow truck. And to this day, my best friend, Jimmy said, remember the cow truck? I'm like, shut up, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah. So finally, after two years, my parents, um, paid to get it painted because I couldn't afford it. And uh, so they graciously did that. And then my dad one day comes to me and says, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get rid of your truck. And I said, uh, no, we're not. And he said, yes, we are. I'm going to get you an F-150 straight six. And it's a stick, you know, and so it's like, whoa, 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 right? I mean, I had this little Ford Ranger. It was kind of, you know, it sounded okay, especially because I put the thing on it to make it sound bigger, you know, on the muffler, whatever that junk's called. And, uh, and, then, and then, but I got a real truck that sounded really good. And so for a year, I had this F-150 straight six, and I loved that truck. It was awesome. It was a full eight-foot bed, and, and I was so blessed. And then I uh, was accepted to Grove City College and uh, I was going to be a commuter. And so my dad comes to me in the spring of my senior year and he says, we're going to get rid of your truck. And I said, no, we're not. 
And he said, yes, we are. It's in my name. And I was like, well, <laughs> whatever. So, um, so I said, okay, well, what are we going to do? And he said, I found the perfect car for you. It'll be good for commuting. I said, okay. So he takes me down to, um, there was a deal dealership in Franklin, PA at the time. And we went down and uh, I was like, oh, Dodge. Okay, that's cool. Dodge doesn't make junky cars except for the Dodge Neon, but we won't go there. Um, so, so we go down and he says, this is what I got. He points it out. Volkswagen Beetle. Now, it was new, so it was kind of hip, okay? But in order, uh, so we wheeled a deal, we got the car, but in order to demonstrate that it was actually a man's car and not a chick's car, I I did a couple of things. Number one, I put a subwoofer in the back, so that thing was thumping all the time, right? I mean, come on. And then I put a spiky license plate thing on the back so that you knew, like, you don't mess with this bro, right? Um, and so that, that was for sure knowing that it was, it was going to be a man's car. But, um, but I love that car, actually, because it was also a stick, and that thing boogied down the road. It was pretty cool. The only thing that Germans cannot get right, and if you're German in here or watching online, you're German, I love you, but you need to fix this, um, is you put reverse, like, over to the left and up, and it just doesn't make any sense. So, uh, you know, to go backwards, you go back, right? I mean, everybody, you understand what I'm saying, right? Back. Not forward, back, okay? So, so I, I, I had that car and actually really liked that car until it blew up. But, but um, so, so I want you to picture your favorite car. Maybe you want that truck, right? Or maybe you want a little um, chick car that you're a dude and it's like, you know, whatever. Whatever it is that you like, that's outside today when you leave, okay? By the way, it really isn't, so don't get your hopes up too high. But in your mind, you're thinking about this, what you want, and, and you get to it and you get in it, and then you realize you're missing something. You're missing the key. You don't have the key to turn this thing on. Now, in today's day and age, that's actually really a legitimate thing. You can get in a car and not have a key. And you're like, how do I turn this thing on? Right? You've got to push the button. Oh, but you don't have the key fob, so it won't start. So, you know, all kinds of new problems that we have with new cars. But it happens. And I want you to picture this. What are you, you going to do? You need the key. You need to be able to start it. And, and so what Pastor Chris says is the Holy Spirit is for us like a key. He ignites us. He starts us up. And then he's also the fuel. He's the one who who is empowering us to move, to become all that Jesus has designed us to be and to live into everything that Jesus has given for us to do on the earth. So we need to have the key and we need to have the fuel so that we can live empowered by the Spirit of God. That's That's what God is calling us to do and that's why we're doing this series. But it all starts by understanding that this is what Jesus wants for us. He wants us first to know him. He wants us to realize that we need him. We need a savior. So we need to confess that we need a savior in our life. We need to believe in him. We need to to trust that God sent him to this earth to live a life we couldn't live, to die a death we should have died, and that God raised him back to life again, that he overcame sin and death forever, so that when we put our faith in him, we receive uh, him into our life. And when God sees us, he doesn't see us, he sees Jesus. And then he welcomes us into his family. That's the first thing. So we, we then, we confess that we need a savior. We believe in Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus. And then we need to receive his forgiveness fully in our lives, knowing that he has paid for all of our sin on the cross. Fully and completely. And then we need to, and this is the part that a lot of Christians forget about. We need to live empowered by the spirit of God to fulfill everything that God's called us to do here on the earth. Most Christians go one, two, three, and 
kind of maybe step into step four, but not really. And so that's why we're doing this series. We want to understand that we are called to live into and experience the Spirit together. So in today's scripture, Jesus restates the promise that he made, the one that we looked at last week when Pastor Alex preached, um, that, he, that God was going to send this promise that, that, that was coming from the Heavenly Father. And what we're going to see today is, is simply this. This is our take-home point. This is the one thing I hope you'll walk out of here with today um, so that you understand kind of what's happening, kind of put a sentence around this, and that's this, that spirit-filled people wait, receive power, and then go. Wait, receive power, and then go. So let's look at this from Acts chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 4. If you have a Bible or a Bible app and you'd like to follow along and mark it up, you can do that. I would encourage you to. Um, it'll be on the screen as well. But let's look at this together. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says this, In one of those meetings, in one of these meetings, as he, Jesus, was eating a meal with them, he told them. Now, I want to just stop for a minute. What is one of these meetings? Well, we need to understand that Jesus has now been resurrected from the dead, and he's meeting with his disciples. And he's having a conversation with them. He's instructing them. So that's what one of these meetings is. He told them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he promised. Remember, I've told you about this before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore your kingdom? The Father, the Father sets those dates and times, he said, and they're not for you to know. But the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It was not long after that he had said this that he was taken up into the sky while they were watching, and he disappeared into a cloud. As they were straining their eyes to see him, two white-robed men suddenly stood there among them. They said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, and someday, just as you saw him go, he will return. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you are going to come back. But I also thank you that you, you went and you sent the Holy Spirit so we could live and be a part of your family here and now and to experience you fully as we step into and be empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. We pray today that you'll open our spiritual eyes so that we can see and receive everything that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do you do when you, when you know something's really important? Right, when you're talking to somebody, what do you do? You repeat it, right? Now, I know as a parent of four kids, I repeat things all the time because it's important. Please stop talking. 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 Right? I mean, it's just like an endless thing. Now, I love my kids, and I love having conversations with them up until a point. Um, but then it's just like, you know, listen. But, but when I'm trying to teach them something important, I repeat it. And that's what Jesus does. He, uh, he, he repeats here what he said, uh, and we read last week in Luke chapter 24. And here's what he said in Luke 24. Begin, verse 49 says this, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So the father promised the Holy Spirit. And then into today's scripture in verse 4, we find this. In one of these meetings, as he was eating a meal with them, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he promised. Remember, I have told, about, told you about this before. 
So something important that we need to understand is Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts and they were never really intended to be separated, but they are in our Bibles. And so um, we need to understand that that Luke is reiterating a point that Jesus made uh, over and over and that was that God was going to send the Holy Spirit. But very specifically, his disciples needed to wait back in the city. Then they would receive the Holy Spirit in order for them to be empowered to go. So Luke wanted us to understand that, and Jesus wanted us to understand that, so he repeated it over and over and over again. And we know that it happened. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the next couple of weeks, but we know that on the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish celebration, that people were gathered together in Jerusalem from all over the the known world, Jews from all all over the known world were gathered together for this celebration. And, and while they were in the city of Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit fell on 120 of the believers who were meeting and praying and worshiping in an upper room. And something unique happened. When the Holy Spirit fell, they began to speak in these other languages. And as they were speaking in these languages, the people who were in Jerusalem actually heard the gospel message preached to them in their own language. <laughs> God is strategic. Because these people had come from all over. If they had only been speaking in the dialect where they were, these people wouldn't have understood. But God gave the gift for people to preach the message with the gift of tongues in that moment. So it was confirming that Jesus had, had done what he promised. He sent the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father to his disciples. And his disciples received this empowerment. And it happened in Acts chapter uh, 1 and 2. You can read about it. And then Peter goes on and he begins to preach to all of these Jews and he begins to tell them about how God sent Jesus into the world to live a life they couldn't live and to die a death that, he should have, uh, that we should have died and that he was raised back to life again and that they need to put their faith and trust and hope in him in order to receive the life uh, that is truly life, life um, that comes and brings them into the family of God. And, and he was preaching to the Jews and, and some of them believed And they trusted God that day. And so what ends up happening is a lot of people will read that in the scripture and go, well, then the Holy Spirit is only for Jewish people. And the reality is that's not true because we get to Acts chapter 10 and we find an account where uh, Luke, who's writing Acts, records this experience where Cornelius, who's a Gentile and his family, they're they're seeking the Lord, they're seeking for truth and And they understand about John the Baptist, that his baptism was a baptism of repentance, that the kingdom of God was coming and they needed to try to get ready. And so they weren't fully grasping what was happening. And so Peter went and and was sent by God to go to Cornelius's house. Now, this was kind of taboo because a Jew going into the house of a Gentile was like, like you just didn't do that. But God was doing something new. And so God sent Peter to Cornelius and he preached the gospel to him. And Cornelius received the gospel. And after he received the gospel, this is what we read in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came, and the Greek word means literally fell, on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. 
So there's something important here that we have to understand. There, there were these circumcised believers, and then there were uncircumcised believers. And all that we have to understand about this is that God gave the sign of circumcision in the Old Testament to demonstrate that he, his people would, would have that as a sign that they were his people. So the Jews uh, were, the peop- were that people, and they believed, and they had this message. But now they go to Cornelius' house. They see the same thing that happened to them is happening to Gentiles, and it's blowing their mind. What is God doing? Well, God is showing that this promise of knowing, knowing him through faith in Jesus and empowerment and filling of the Holy Spirit was not just for Jews, but it was for everyone. Because to the Jews, there were the Jews and everybody else. They called them Gentiles or Greeks. And God was saying, no, no, actually, in my family, it's everybody. And we're coming together. And so once Peter saw that and once the, the believers, the Jewish believers saw that, they, they realize God's doing this. He's doing a new thing, and we need to experience that. And so as we go back to uh, our scripture today, we need to understand that, that, that Cornelius had half the story, but it wasn't until Peter came and told him about Jesus, and then, and then the Holy Spirit came as it was promised to them as well. So let's look at this in Acts chapter one. We're going back to chapter one, verse five. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was telling uh, his disciples that, yes, we had the baptism of repentance. That was John the Baptist's re- baptism. That's what Cornelius had. But in a few days, the Jews would be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then they would take that and they would see God do it in the realm of the Gentiles and then eventually all over the world. And it's important that we understand that in the New Testament, there are four types of baptism, because uh, a lot of times we get stuck on just this word baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and what, that, what has happened over the years uh, in the church has caused great division. But I want us to understand a couple of things about that. The first thing is these four baptisms that are mentioned are all in the New Testament. The first one is the baptism of repentance. That's John's baptism. That was the baptism that said, uh, repent for righteousness sake. And turn because the kingdom of God is near. And what John the Baptist was doing is he was preparing the way for Jesus. And John would eventually baptize Jesus. And Jesus had to be baptized by John in order to fulfill all righteousness. Remember, Jesus met God's standard. God's standard, by the way, is perfection. And Jesus met that standard. And in order to meet that, he had to be baptized by John. And so he was baptized by John. And then we see the second one is the baptism into Christ. That is when you are born again. It's synonymous with being born again. When you believe in Jesus, you're baptized into Christ. You're regenerated in your spirit. You come alive and you're adopted into God's family. That's the baptism into Christ. And then we find the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus talked about in the scripture we looked at today. And then again in in Acts chapter 10 and several other places throughout Acts. And we see that. And then we see the baptism in or with water. And we know that one is actually a declaration. It's, it's, it's become known in the church as symbolic. And I actually, I actually don't like that because it's not symbolic. It's, it's declarative. It declares to the world that when we're baptized, we're leaving sin and death in the grave and we're coming back up a new person. Paul said that when you're in Christ, you're a new person. The old is gone. The new has come. The new person is, is, is Jesus alive in you through his Holy Spirit. And so we're telling the world that we belong to Jesus, but we're not only telling the world that, we're telling the spirit realm that we are no longer belonging to the enemy, but we're declaring to them that we have victory in Jesus and we belong to him. 
and we're dedicated to him. So there's a lot more in that, uh, and we'll talk about that in another time. But the point is, there are these four baptisms that are mentioned in the New Testament. And we know that the, the baptism of repentance is no longer required because Jesus fulfilled it. But the baptism into Christ is, if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, we have to believe in him. And then we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we demonstrate and declare uh, our faith in Jesus through water baptism. And those four baptisms are represented there in the scripture. But here's the thing. The three baptisms for us into Christ and with the Holy Spirit and with water. And this is what I want us to, to just think about here. They may all happen at one time or they may happen separately. Okay. One thing that sometimes bothers me about the scripture and God, to be honest with you, is sometimes he doesn't do things the same way. And I, I like it when A always, uh, A plus B always equals C, you know, but if you've ever taken algebra, um, which, you know, why, um, why does that exist? You know, uh, you know that A plus B doesn't always equal C. It can equal C with a little two at the top or something. You know, I mean, it just doesn't work. And, and, and here's the thing. God is completely logical. God has complete plans, but sometimes he doesn't do things the same way. The matter of the story is we see these, these baptisms, and they may all happen at once for you. They may happen at three separate times for you. But the reality is, and we're not going to talk about a theology baptism. The reality is we have to step into these and live empowered by the Spirit. So the second thing that we see about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is, is this, that Jesus sent the Spirit to his, to his disciples. And so the two questions we have to ask is, is the Bible still true? And we talked about that last week. And the answer to that question is still yes. The Bible is still true. And the second question that we're asking is, has the Holy Spirit ever stopped working? And we can see in the accounts that Luke wrote that the Holy Spirit wasn't done working at the end of Acts. He was, he was in, he's still working in believers. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would live in us and in doing so would lead us into all truth. So there's still some leading that's happening, some empowering that's happening, some strength, some, some supernatural uh, work that's happening in us through the Holy Spirit. And so we have that in our lives now. The Holy Spirit has not stopped working. So in the next several weeks, we're going to talk specifically about that. But I want to go back to, to the scripture today, and I want us to see something that's really important. And that's this. When the Holy Spirit comes, we're, we're called to go. We're called to go. Here's what Jesus said, uh, or, or here's what Luke records in Acts chapter 1, back in verse 6. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? Now, that's a fair question because the Jews were really looking for a Messiah. They thought was going to bring uh, political freedom, sovereignty. I mean, you, you got to understand, the Jews had been oppressed for years, hundreds of years, by many different groups of people, but now they're being oppressed by the Romans. And so they're looking at Jesus and they're hearing Jesus. Well, I mean, Jesus was dead and he's back alive talking to you. I mean, first of all, there's that. But now Jesus is talking about being filled with this power. And they're thinking, oh yeah, we don't even have to use bows or spears or anything. We just go use the force, right? You know, like that. And, uh, and everybody's dead, right? That's what they're thinking probably. And, and Jesus is actually about to shock them a little bit. Look what Jesus said. The father sets those dates, he replied, and they're not for you to know. Now, put yourselves in their shoes, right? Like you're thinking, I'm going to use the death grip on this guy, right? 
And that's not what Jesus is talking about, right? And you can kind of almost feel like the letdown in the room. The tension's gone. Like, Jesus, then what are you doing? Because this doesn't make any sense. But here's what, here's what Luke records. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Jesus said, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here's the thing we see in this passage. Jesus offers us a simple formula when it comes to carrying out his mission on the earth. Wait, receive power, and go. Wait, receive power, and go. So Jesus was trying to help his disciples understand that political power is, is just one form of power. There's also economic power. There's social power. There's all these other influences that happen. And so what Jesus is trying to help them understand is, guys, listen, spiritual power influences all of these areas. And that's what I'm giving you. I'm giving you power to influence nations through government, through economics, through social uh, activities and, and prayer and focuses on those things. Jesus is trying to help them understand that what he's talking about is bigger. And when he's talking about going and telling He's talking about using that influence and the power of the Holy Spirit to help people know that there's a God who loves them, has a plan for the life, and wants them to live that plan and find their life and peace in him. That's what Jesus was trying to help his disciples understand. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is given so we can show the power of God to the world. I mean, look what Jesus said. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. Why? so that we can show the world that we belong to God, who's more powerful than the world. So that we can show the world God's love. So that we can show the world God's healing power when he heals our bodies. So that we can show the world God's grace when we preach the gospel. So that we can show the world who God truly is, because God will not share his glory with anyone else. God has given us the spirit and the power so that we can do that. So here's the thing that we have to understand. We're not talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit so that, so that we can show off, right? We're not going to be here today and be like, well, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit because I speak in tongues. Who gives a rip? If you're praying and speaking in tongues and nobody's coming to Jesus, then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, that's what I'm looking at in the scripture. That's what I see Jesus saying here, right? If you're, if you're prophesying, and nobody's coming to Jesus, then I don't know what you're prophesying about, right? So, so here's the deal. This isn't about us. This is about Jesus and lifting him up and living in the power of the Spirit. So the last thing we see in this passage is this. Jesus left so the Holy Spirit would come. Jesus left so the Holy Spirit would come. Let's look at this together. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It was not long after he said this that he was taken up into the sky while they were watching, and he disappeared into a cloud. As they were straining their eyes to see him, two white-robed men suddenly stood there among them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, and someday, just as you saw him go, he will return. Now, there aren't too many stupid questions in the world, but that might be one of them, right? I mean, Jesus was standing there in front of them, and then he just got Star Trek to heaven, right? I mean, these guys are first century, and they're looking at Jesus, and all of a sudden, whoa, 
They're looking up at the sky. They're looking at the clouds. They're straining their eyes to see where did Jesus go? I mean, these guys are now really let down because not only did Jesus say he's not going to restore political power, now he's gone again. What in the world is happening? And so God sends these angels because I think those dudes would have just stood there and looked up at the sky forever. And, and, and the angels come to help them be strategic and say, guys, listen, hey, guys, guys, guys. Oh, th thank you. Okay. You need to go back and do what Jesus told you to do. Wait for the power, and then you're going to need to go. And so they went back to the city. They received the power. They began to preach the gospel in the languages of all the people that were in Jerusalem at the time. People got saved, 3,000 people that day. And those people went out and told people about Jesus. And those people went out and told people about Jesus. And those people went out. So they went from Jerusalem to Judea through Samaria and to the ends of the earth. By the way, Saxonburg is the ends of the earth for those guys. You ever think about that? Like we oftentimes think that, that here we are and the ends of the earth is Myanmar, which by the way, welcome back, Mike. It's good to have you back from Myanmar. Our team made it back on Thursday and uh, Mike knows that today is Monday. So um, just kidding, Mike, it's Sunday. Uh, <laughs> but, here, you know, but here's the thing. For us, Myanmar is the ends of the earth. For those guys, Saxonburg was the end of the earth. I mean, Saxonburg didn't exist, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like it's just incredible. Because they were obedient and faithful and lived in the power of the Holy Spirit, we now are hearing the message of the gospel. So, Jesus was taken away from them so that the Holy Spirit would come. And it didn't make sense to them. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. But the reality is, all of us need someone to go away before we can rely on the Holy Spirit fully. I want you to think about this. Could be the person who led you to Jesus. So I'm talking to believers right now. So if you're not a follower of Jesus in here today, um, today would be a great day to, to follow him because your life won't make sense otherwise. But, um, but if you're following Jesus, maybe you're relying on somebody too much and you've become codependent on that person. You don't even know how to think your own thoughts. You're thinking their thoughts. You're saying their words, your you're not really even being yourself. And, and Jesus is saying, no, that's not actually how I want you to mature. I want you to mature by having your own thoughts, by, um, by, by listening to the spirit of God inside you and by following through on those things. That's why Jesus left. Jesus was demonstrating, demonstrating a step of maturity that he had to get out of the way so the Holy Spirit would come and empower these people so that they could go out and multiply the message of the gospel and the impact of the gospel. And so there might be that person in your mind right now that you, you're thinking, yeah, I, I know who that person is and I need, I need to talk to them. Now listen, if that person is your spouse, uh, you, you're staying together, all right? So you're not, you're not breaking up with them, all right? But, but maybe that person is like it is for me, Pastor Chris. I love Pastor Chris. He's one of my spiritual fathers. I've relied on Chris for a lot. And Chris is, I basically say things that Chris says, and I think now the way Chris thinks, and that's what discipleship is. But there is a point now where I need to break away so that I can step into what God has for me. And so I'm doing that. And in May, I'm done here after 12 years, and I'll be going to Colorado to plant the church. But I still have the influence of Pastor Chris in me. I still have that imprint in me, but there is this reliance now on the Holy Spirit like I'll never have until I get out there. <laughs> it's already happening, 
right? And so for some of you, maybe it's somebody at work that you need to go talk to. Maybe you need to um, step away and separate from somebody so you can go and maybe you're going to plant a church someday here in this region. Maybe you're going to plant a church somewhere in this nation. Maybe God's calling you to the nations like Myanmar or India or whatever permanently. The problem is we, we won't fully commit until we fully are separated. And so sometimes we have to do that. Now, it doesn't mean that Pastor Chris, I'm never going to call him again. Like, peace out, Chris. You know? No, no, no. Uh, Chris is going to, Lord willing, um, serve with me uh, in, in phone calls and emails and encouragement and those kinds of things. But he's not going to be there with me like he is right now. Like when he comes into my office and we have conversations. That's not going to happen. And so for, for you... Whoever that person is for you, that's going to have to be your next step to separate. Jesus separated so that the people could be empowered to multiply the message. Here's what, here's what they needed and what we need. They needed to move from being disciples to living in the Spirit. They need to move from being disciples to living in the Spirit. There is a significant step of moving from codependency to independent, living in the Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about you being independent in your flesh. I'm talking about being fully surrendered to the Spirit of God inside of you and following Him and living for Him. So, here's the key. We have to go out and live this next step, and that's this. I will wait, receive power, and go where Jesus sends me this week. Our mission here at New Life is to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. But here's the important thing we have to understand. We will never fulfill this mission if we are not filled with the Spirit of God. So we need to step into this. We, some of us today, we need to wait. We're in a waiting place where we're renewing, being renewed by the Spirit of God. Or we're in a place where we're going to receive the power even today so that we can go into, you know, for us it would be Saxonburg, Western PA, the USA, and the world. We need to receive that. And some of us, we actually just need to go. It's time to take that step. Let's, let's get going. God's saying it's time. So you're going to be in one of those three areas. And as we pray and as we end the service today, I just want you to, to be thinking about that. Where is God calling you today? Are you waiting? Are you receiving power? Or are you going today? And I believe the Holy Spirit's going to show you. And when he shows you, it'll be incredible. And you'll begin to see as you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you'll begin to experience life and peace in your life every day. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for everything that you've done. We pray, God, that you would just continue to pour out your spirit right now, that, God, you would begin to open our eyes to see where we are so that we can step into what you have for us. We pray that you will fill us with your spirit, and as we go through these next couple of weeks, that you will, God, fill us in a way that you never have before so that we can so that we can go out and do things we've never done before, not for our sake, but for your sake, so people will step from death to life, from, from uh, discouragement to encouragement as they believe in Jesus. And my prayer, God, is that this life and peace won't just be something we experience, but it'll be something everybody experiences who's wherever we work, wherever we play, wherever we live, and, and wherever we have influence, that you would be glorified and that your power would be made manifest through us for the sake of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.